The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. Well, if I've ever seen a team loss, it's this one. And boy, oh boy, is this one completely inexcusable. Welcome in. It's Clubhouse Conversation, your dish for game one against the White Sox. And normally I'm very positive. Normally I'm very patient. Normally I'm very understanding. But not tonight. Tonight's not the time for that. Not at all. Because we're no longer rebuilding. We're no longer playing for next year. We're playing for right now, and this is the kind of game that will keep you out of the playoffs. Now, am I overreacting? Eh, maybe. If they come back and win the next two, I said they had to win two out of three against this you know, White Sox team. But to win two out of three, you probably had to get tonight. So, no, I'm not overreacting. This game was won. Now, if you're one of the masochists who blows me up on Twitter or on the side or through email, and you say, oh, you're too positive, Davo. You're two, uh, two with Dayton Moore and Ned Yost and blah, blah, blah. Well, you're going to love this because tonight I am not with Ned Yost and Dayton Moore for several reasons, but it's not just them. Let's not you know blame things entirely on them because obviously the players on the field ultimately didn't do their job tonight. At least a number of them didn't. But, I mean, when you're completely pissing a game down your leg, pardon my French, and that's what the Royals did, and then you know your continued stubbornness begins to lose you games from guys like Dayton Moore and Ned Yost, that's when I've had it, and I'm going to call you out when you have very, very, very small room for error. There's just no margin for error with this team. All right, so let's talk about this. First of all, the Royals are now 5-14 and 14 against the All-Star team. Oh, I'm sorry, that's the AL Central. I saw the AL, you know, AL, and thought that was All-Star. No, the AL Central, the division the Royals were supposedly going to compete with the Tigers in, they're 5-14, and 14. and that includes sweeps to Minnesota, Losing three out of four at Cleveland. Going 0-5 to the Tigers. And dropping a game like this to the Chris Sale-less and the Jose Abreu-less White Sox. You know, this is a year, let's be realistic. At this point, we ain't catching the Tigers, as we keep saying. The Royals are already seven back. The Tigers are just going to continue to get better with Steven Drew coming on. Signing Hannah Rand for the bullpen. They'll make a trade to the deadline as well. The Royals ain't catching the Tigers. So that means we're competing for one of the two wild cards this year, and you have to get a wild card this year. You went in, you got James Shields. You got a number of key guys in their last year with the Royals, not only Shields, but Billy Butler's in his last year with the Royals, potentially Hochaver, Chen. Just a number of guys on this team. You know, Wade Davis and Holland, probably one of them is gone next year just based on the fact that Holland will get a big raise, and you can't really justify paying Davis that much to be an eighth inning guy. On and on and on. Ioki's in the last year of a deal. This is the year you got to make the playoffs. And with that said, the Royals have such a minuscule margin for error because you have to assume there's five to six teams competing for those two wildcard spots, right? Five or six teams. And you have to figure there's going to be no more than two games separating that second wild card from the team who misses out on it. Two games. And the Royals have already, pardon my French, pissed away a couple other games this year. This is the biggest one because they had a 5 nothing lead at home going into the second inning. But this is very easily, could easily be one of those two games that keeps you out of the playoffs. It's not overreacting. It'd be overreacting if this is a well-played game and the Royals lost and oh well. The Royals had this game won. They were ahead 5 to nothing, and then the stubbornness comes in, which we're going to talk about here in a second. But let's start with 
the physical mistakes. First of all, Jason Vargas, bless his heart, just did not have it tonight at all. Royals have that five to nothing lead going into the second. He slowly gave it back. Starting in the third inning, the White Sox scored three thanks to the home run ball. Another run in the fourth and the home run ball again. And then, of course, three in the fifth. Three home runs totals. And that's right, home runs. You know, the Royals saw firsthand what I can do for you yesterday. They've been seeing how you lose games based on home runs all year. But then Alex Gordon muscled up, and they saw how home runs work yesterday. And then today, you had the most favorable conditions, at least for right-handed hitters and guys like Hosmer and Gordon who can use left field. You have the most favorable conditions of the season at home with the wind whipping out 20 to 25 miles an hour to left. I don't think we got one of the warning tracks tonight, did we? Other than Hosmer's double. Not to left, really. The White Sox were cranking home runs left and right, and we didn't. But anyway, back to Vargas. He didn't have it. He allowed seven runs and four and two-thirds on eight hits, two walks, six strikeouts. And since he didn't have it, that's where the stubbornness came in from Ned Yost. Once again, for several years now, there's been a couple of things that I haven't liked about Ned Yost. And both of them, well, three of them actually tonight, but two of them mainly reared their ugly head tonight. Number one, he sticks with starting pitchers too long in order to get them their personal statistics and give them a chance to win. How many times have we heard Ned Yost after a game say, well, I wanted to give him a chance to win. I wanted to get him through that fifth and give him a chance to win. The Royals' bullpen was pretty much entirely rested tonight. This is a game you can't lose, Ned. You're playing the Watt Sox, who are coming back. You had a 5 nothing lead. Then it was down to 6-5 to five at that point. You're 5-13 and 13 against the AL Central, and you leave Jason Vargas, who's been dominated throughout his career, in to face a right-hander in Paul Canerco, who was due in a big way. The wind's whipping out to left. He's already given up two home runs. It's clear he doesn't have it. You have Lewis Coleman ready. But, you know, four and two-thirds so far for Vargas. Got to get him through that fifth with a lead so we can get that win. Crank. Gone. Home run. And that was the difference in the game. Got the White Sox to seven. Put the Royals behind, 7-6. to six. And once again, like we've seen so often this year, there would not be any more runs scored in a Royals game once the deciding home run was hit by either team. The Royals lose 7-6. to six. No runs in the 6th, 7th, 8th, or ninth in this ballgame. So right there is one stubborn thing with Ned Yost. Getting his pitchers the win. Now, the second stubbornness thing, Mike Moustakis. You heard me about a week ago here in Clubhouse Conversation predict a breakout, which happened in that afternoon game against the Rockies. He drove in all three runs, and the Royals won three to nothing. I thought that would propel him. But it's getting to the point where now, ever since then, it's been pretty much the same old, same old. I'll give Moose credit. He's been having better at bats this year as far as pitch counts go, and he's drawing more walks. But it ain't happening. You can't be you know, trudging down a guy out there at third base just because he's slightly above average defensively. I don't buy this great defensive player. Moose is an above average defensive player, no doubt. But his defense, you know, it's, it's the same stuff we heard with Chris Getz for all these years. Oh, he's, his glove makes up for it and his grittiness and what he brings to the game. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I, I think the Royals are, are kind of famous the last couple of years for overestimating how good a player is defensively when they can't hit. It's like... You know, if Moose was hitting 275, we would be hearing about his batting, and we wouldn't be hearing about his defense that much because he's not that great defensively. He's solid. He's good. But you can't be trotting out a guy out there who's now hitting 153 with a 554 OPS when Dayton Moore tells us all the time that 
you know, May 15th is the cutoff date and, you know, a certain number, 150 ABs or whatever y'all says. And Moose is well over 1,600 at-bats, I believe it is now, for his career. You know, and the Royals are going for it this year. We're done with development. You made a trade for Danny Valencia. Freaking use him every day. If you don't think he can do it, you know, don't tell me that there's no alternatives. You're the GM at your, you know, part of your eighth season here in KC. Make a move. You know, I hate to say the name, but could Elliot Johnson have done any worse at third base every day? Yeah, you lose a little bit defensively, of course. Uh, that's that's a little bit of a bad example, but my point is you can go out and pluck somebody off the waiver wire or deal a C-level arm to get yourself a replacement-level third baseman for a few weeks. I'm not saying for the whole season, but send Moose down, let him get in the right mind. I'm not saying get rid of him forever, bring him back up, and let him get down to Omaha, relax a little bit, get the pressure off of him, and start, you know come up here and start 0-0-0 again. It worked for Mark Tian for half a season in the past. It worked for careers for Alex Gordon, Billy Butler. Somehow Mike Moustakis doesn't have to do that. But you're in a season, you're playing for the playoffs. You've got your 27% just about now through this year. You're a 500 team, and every day it looks more and more like you are a 500 team because you can't seem to get above or below more than two games either way. It's because of things like this. Stubbornness. Don't tell me you can't find a guy to play average defense and hit 230 at third base. Don't tell me Danny Valencia, who's already on your team, can't hit 230 and play average defense out there. Even if he you know, has an error or two more than Moustakis, I'm pretty sure the extra 80 points of average and you know, on base and OPS is going to make up for that. So that's stubbornness number two. You got the Nedios you know, getting pitchers wins, which blew up in their face today. You've got the Mike Moustakis, which is more of a Dayton thing than a Ned, but both of them. And then you have the ninth inning. Why the hell do you bunt? You bring in Draw Dyson after Noria Oki has a good at bat, slaps a single through the hole on the left side, why do you butt right there when you bring in a pinch runner and draw Dyson? Draw Dyson, perhaps the fastest player in the game, should be able to rip off second base there four out of five times minimum. I'm not saying you even rip off a base there. Play a little hit and run. Have Escobar use the right side. I don't care. Steal him, then butt him to third. You have three outs left. Why do we not value outs on this team? That's the second time this year we've seen Ned Yost have a runner at first with Escobar hitting and either Dyson or Aoki at first base, and he bunts. You don't give away outs. Now, it worked out for the Royals as far as the injury goes, but that's beside the point. I'm not one of those people who only questions when things don't work. It did work out as far as it went tonight for that little small faction of the game. You don't bunt at home in the ninth inning with a runner at first and the fastest runner in baseball. You bunt him if he's at second to get to third and then play for the tie. There's some more problems with that. Let's say he gets to second, you bunt him over there, you know, and then let's say at that point you have the number three hitter in the lineup, whoever it is, strikes out or makes out. Then all of a sudden, you to the four hole. If that person gets an infield hit or somehow walks, at that point they can also walk the number five hitter Alex Gordon to get to Brett Hayes. You'd already lost Salvador Perez's bat at that point too. You got to be thinking ahead in these things. I, I just, I didn't. I mean, that's a small. That's a small like. You know, the, the, the C thing you have to think about. Now, Brett Hayes hitting in that inning with a, you know the, the tying run coming in is almost impossible. It would have been bases loaded two outs for him to come up with a chance to, you know, tie or give the Royals the lead. So that probably wasn't going to happen. But that's just something else you have to think about down the road. The number one is you just don't give away outs. You've got three outs left. Now you're down to two. The Royals haven't scored, basically. Well, how long have it been? How many innings have it been since they'd scored? Not since the... Fourth inning. It was almost a different game. That first inning was like a complete yesterday, it felt like. You just don't give away outs to get a guy to second base in the American League, especially when they can then choose who they want to walk between the next three hitters. 
They probably wouldn't put the winning run on base, I'm aware, but just something else to think about. So another stubbornness there with the bunting. So that's three things. And I'm one of those people who I defend Nedios most of the time, and I, I don't believe a manager wins or loses you games very often, but they do say, they being the really smart stat people who know more about, you know, more about the nuances of statistics than I do, they do say a good manager can lose you, what, three to four games, and a bad manager can you know, lose you three or four games. So a good manager wins you three or four maybe, and vice versa for a bad. I'm not saying Ned's a bad, but you could easily say he lost this game tonight, or his at least his decisions led to the loss tonight, which is why it's a team loss. You know, you had Ned, you had Dayton with Moose, you had Vargas not pitching well, then you had Gerard Dyson. How the hell do you get picked off second base there? You can't do it. With Beckham basically standing on second base, you can't get picked off there, especially when you pinch ran a really fast runner for a fast runner. Aoki, maybe it's not fast, but your job is to you know score that tying run. Your job is to run. You can't get picked off right there. Another mistake right there. You know, Hosmer had a couple hits, had a decent night, obviously the big double to put the Royals up 2-0, but he didn't swing at a single strike in that A-B in the ninth inning. I mean, you just look around. Primarily, it was Vargas not being able to protect the lead, but he didn't have it. It's not all Vargas's fault. He's been great this year for the Royals. Ned Yost has got to protect him and put the team ahead of his personal stats. This game was won, and the Royals pissed it away with bad pitching, physical and mental mistakes, you know, the physical stuff like lack of pitching, lack of, you know, at times, good at bats. The Royals have several times this year had big innings and then gone quiet for six, seven, eight innings. And then you have the mental mistakes, like the whole Dyson situation, stubbornness for the manager and GM. We saw them all kind of come together. This was a team a team lost tonight. It wasn't all on Vargas. It wasn't all on Yost. It wasn't all on Dyson. It wasn't all et cetera, et cetera. There's a good five or six, seven people that were involved in this game tonight. So don't don't make the mistake of calling one guy a goat tonight. It's a team loss. The, the bottom line is this crap's got to stop. The season's about 27% over. Yeah, it's still early. Not much longer. Once you hit that third mark, I think you can lose the early stuff. You know, there's bigger problems we could talk about, like lack of production from the corners as far as power goes, especially the infield. You know, Aoki, we knew what he was going to be. He was going to be a power hitter. Alex has been playing a lot better. I'm not worried about Alex. I never have been. I'm definitely worried about Moose. He shouldn't even be up here right now. And Hosmer is having a solid year, but it's the American League. And we've been hearing since he was picked that he's a 30-home run guy. And, you know, it'd be nice if the Royals could get some of those years if he has them, since we've only got them for probably two to three more years after this. He had the game one. Didn't happen. 5-14 and 14 now against the All-Star team. I mean, the AL Central. And the Royals will try to get things back, you know, going tomorrow. If I sound down, it's because I am. It's just... It's completely maddening when you're up 5 nothing in the first, you can't win, when you make mistakes, when you're stubborn. And it's like, you know, what can we do about it? Not much. I mean, you try to stay patient. You try to get through this, and I think I have been. The Royals, yes, they still could get two out of three in this series. But do we think that's going to happen without Salvador Perez? Probably until Friday. You lose his bat. You've already lost Omar Infante's bat. You're down two bats in your lineup. You're facing a royal killer, at least it seems like it, and Carlos Quintana on Wednesday. You like your odds tomorrow, but with Ventura going, but you already had the game won today. You had to get today. We talked about that last night, how the Royals needed to win these two games so that Wednesday would be a gravy game and a game that probably didn't favor the Royals, especially more now without Salvi. That's a huge loss. 
so we'll see what happens. There are, you know, some small good things we could talk about, like Billy Butler heating up. Okay, that's more than a small good thing. That's a big thing for Billy Butler and this team. We could talk about Lorenzo Cain's amazing catch in the sixth inning, bailing out Lewis Coleman. We could talk about the Royals' bullpen in, in general, you know, throwing up the zeros tonight. Once again, they did it again. Four and a third, but Ned was one batter too late, as he's often been going to him. We'll see if the Royals can get game two tomorrow, and we'll cover it here for you once again on Clubhouse Conversation. Good night.